just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robinson. I'm ready to have a good time and maybe dive into some things where you're like, what? What are they talking about? That's that's okay. My guest today is Ken Harrison. He's the CEO of Waterstone as well as the chairman of Promise Keepers. And Ken is one of the most interesting guys that I've gotten to know a little bit and look forward to getting to know even more so. I, I'm not entirely sure where this is going to go, but I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, glad you're around. If you haven't hit like, subscribe, follow, or share, do that. And Ken, how are you doing? Well, you know, we, you and I always have long conversations, and that's why you're not sure where this is going to go. Because we, <laughs> neither one of us are really all that interested in in sticking to somebody's version of what the Bible says. We're interested in being led by the Holy Spirit, and then bouncing crazy ideas off of each other. And we'll do it publicly right here, right now. And so, <laughs> well, okay, okay. You want to? I mean, you really want to play that way? How if the same Spirit will lead us into all truth? Do we have so many denominations? Because uh, this is why we need to die to self daily, because we every one of us has prejudices, hang ups, pride, nonsense in our lives that causes us to put our own worldly definition onto the perfect word of God. And so the more dead we are to ourself, the more clearly we're going to see the word of God. That's why you're so wrong so often. And I'm always right. <laughs> that was a great answer, except <laughs> for the very end. Uh, well, that's actually that's actually good. All right. Well, so. You deal, uh, well, you deal with a lot of men, um, obviously with promise keepers, that's sort of the angle, uh, you know, what, how are the men doing in our country? Well, that's one question. And how are the men doing in the church would be another question. What do you see when you look out there? Well, I need about five hours for that answer, but <laughs> let me give you a, um, you know, it's funny when I took over promise keepers five years ago and sort of revitalized it, a lot of guys came running to jump on the bandwagon because they thought what I was going to do is stand up for traditional uh, Christian um, ways of seeing things for men. And when they started realizing that what I was doing was convicting the men and telling them what they needed to get right, a lot of guys jumped off the bandwagon because that wasn't what they, what they wanted to hear. And I would get guys all the time telling me, well, you need to tell the women this and you tell the women that. I'm like, my job is not to tell the women anything. If I'm running Promise Keepers, my job is to tell the men how to behave, not how to tell the women how to behave. And, oh, by the way, if you really want to be respected and and you really want to be into submit and all that sort of stuff that so many guys get hung up on, why don't you be somebody who's respectable, mm -hmm. someone who a wife would look up to and say, I want to go where he's going. Be that guy, and we won't have to have those other discussions. Can you uh, can you define what a woman is? <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, obviously in the culture that that the whole I, man i just shake my head sometimes because i'm like seriously i mean yeah you can you can mutilate your body you can pump hormones into you but your xx is your xx or your xy is your xy that's who god created you to be i mean i don't know at, at the culture aside are the men in the church anywhere close to where we need to be as a church body well, you know, I'm going to give you two answers on that. The first one is on the, can you define a woman? That's all about to fall apart on itself soon. Sure. And I think we as Christians need to be ready to pick up the pieces. 
you know, there's a guy, I don't know if you saw, uh, the report came out yesterday, a guy, I think is in Ecuador. Yes. Who, yeah, he just changed the, the, the wife in a marriage, they're getting divorced. It's hostile. She would get a lot of the stuff as far as preferential treatment on the kids, which is, would be true of America as well. So he simply said, well, I'm a woman now. I'm the mother now too. I'm a mother. And legally changed his status to say he's a woman. What are the, what are the courts going to do with that? Yeah. Right. And so the, the silliness of this will all actually fall apart on itself pretty soon. And it's starting, I think. And so uh, did, let common sense prevail. Did you see the, the swimmer? Because we all know that uh, the guy, he goes by Leah now, Thomas, you know, decided he was very, he was a, well, a good swimmer, college swimmer, but, you know, middle of the pack, decided he was a woman. And now he's setting records. Did you right. see that the woman who decided she was a man as a swimmer, what happened to her? No, <laughs> this is this is really funny because she now I'm I'm thinking it was around like 83 people men that she competed with and she was she was uh, like all American like would finish in top five was one of the best swimmers women female swimmers mm-hmm. now she's competing as a man because she had some things removed um, and has been taking some hormones. And she finished, I think it's 79th out of 82. It's somewhere close to that, right at the bottom of the pack, right? The ones that she lost to, two of them didn't specialize. I think that was freestyle. They specialized in uh, like the breaststroke. And then one of them was born without part of his arm. And I just read that one. So it didn't work the other way. When women become men, they don't automatically become stronger. And when but men become here, women, yeah. they're still strong. Here's the problem um, that we have is that I, I've often, you know, I get interviews all the time with, um, you know, the attack on masculinity, the attack on men. And I, and I often reiterate with, actually, we've been attacking femininity and women long before this. And we're now reaping what we've sown. In mm-hmm. other words, the, what, what do we hold up as a strong woman? It's a woman who acts like a man. You know, independent, strong woman, and we show some woman in a fireman's outfit or something, right? Um, what is the glory of being a woman? It is um, one of the biggest glories. Scripture says this all over the place, including First Corinthians or First Timothy two, um, the ability to create life. Yeah, a man cannot do anything like that, right? A woman is able to actually grow a human being in her body and then have the nourishment to feed that human being after he or she is born, mm-hmm. and we. We have taken life and we've cheapened it to the point where women don't feel valued for being women. And so now they're going so far out of the way to be men or a version of a man. They may still say, I'm a, I'm a strong, independent woman, but really what that means is I'm going to act like a man. The sexual revolution, you know, sex in the city that was so big 10 years ago, clearly a show written by men um, about how women should behave because they run around acting like men having promiscuous sex all over the place with no emotional trauma to it at all. Mm. So my point being, we've now gotten to a point where um, all this confusion is taking place because we haven't valued women for being women. What does strong femininity mean? And that's where we're ending up with our problems. The, The attack on masculinity is just a more obvious thing. That's a result of all this stuff. But Back to the men in the church, this has been able to happen because men don't know God's word. Hmm. And you and I, we both have written a lot of books and you've done a great job of promoting my books. And I'm really grateful because I I really, as you know, I write very strong um, biblical content. Like here it is, 
you know, whether you like it or not, right? Here it is. So I think it needs to get out there. But what do the publishers tell you and what do they tell me? Men don't read books. Yeah, that's true. If you want to sell books, you have got to write books that will appeal to women. You will never be a bestseller. And, you know, I sit on airplanes, I tra travel all over and I see, the other day I was sitting next to a guy who was watching like Japanese weird emoji cartoons. He was like 50 years old. And I'm yeah. like, seriously, dude, that <laughs> that's what you do with your free time. So men don't know God's word. If we want to do something, we need to stop tuning into Fox News and complaining and whining and this and that. And we need to open up God's word because we don't know how to respond to evil because we don't know his word. Mm. And therefore, all we have is our opinion. We don't need more opinions. We need more biblical truth. Do you think men, uh, and especially in today's um, Western culture, uh, never grow up, just stay boys? Uh, there's a lot of that. Well, I mean, what makes what makes somebody grow up? What makes a, a woman become a, a girl become a woman or a man become a man? Pain, mm -hmm. life, doing things. You know, we were talking earlier because you and I always talk forever. So before we started this interview, we were talking for half an hour <laughs> between the two of us, right? Yeah. Right. But the, the, the church plays defense all the time. We don't play offense. We're always playing defense about, well, I, I don't do this and I don't do that. And I didn't, you know, I did respond. That is not who God values in scripture. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have the hall of faith. He says, be like those people. And who are those people? They were jacked up people who went out and made a difference in the world by doing things, making mistakes, sometimes big mistakes, yeah. but, but by following God and doing. Instead, in the church, we value people who don't do anything. Don't make a disturbance. Don't, don't say anything that's controversial, but, but just be a nice person. Well, as I read scripture, I don't see a lot of really nice people. I see people who are kind and loving, but I don't see people who are nice. Meaning if I go to you and Randy and I say, Randy, first Corinthians chapter six says, here's a list of people who will not enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Or inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And that list has murderers and idolaters and alcoholics and the verbally abusive and homosexuals. Now, if I go to you and I say to you, Randy, um, I think you drink too much. I think you may have an alcohol problem and that may keep you from inheriting the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Is that nice? No, it makes you very uncomfortable. Let's have a, an, a, a meeting. I, I should have said you because I, you know, but right. the, anybody, but it's certainly kind and loving because I am coming to you as a brother in Christ. And my sole purpose is to make sure that you inherit the kingdom of heaven, that you have everything you can do in the church. We value the guy who doesn't confront the homeless or excuse me, the, the alcoholic. We, we, we say that, well, everybody just stay, let's make sure this is a kind and welcoming place. No, no, no. This needs to be a place that's welcoming for all the people who want to see Christ and repent of their sins. Jesus said, if you see your brother in sin, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, forgive him all seven times. Yeah, that's a good What's point. the beginning? Mm -hmm. We need to confront out of love and be willing to forgive immediately when they repent. But we've kind of forgotten the confront part. <laughs> well, you know? and I, I and when, when confrontation does happen, it usually comes with condemnation, and I think that may and be it should a poison never. pill. Yes, never. It should never come with condemnation. Who are we to condemn anybody? That's why we need to know God's word. So and so, I won't say Randy this time. Thank you. You 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 may be an alcoholic. I, I noticed that you put down you know a bottle of gin every day. Um, and, and the Bible says this, and I, and I want to pray with you and help you get through that. Can, can we walk through this together? That is confrontation and love. 
Never do we point our finger in condemnation. Well, we shouldn't. Uh, I think also part of what limits us in the church in some corners is the sin aversion where it's like, I'm, I want to make sure I don't sin. <laughs> and I've got my long list of New Testament laws that I must keep. And I'm going to try to stay in those lanes and we never take any mm. risks uh, and therefore never, you know, accidentally offend someone or say something that may, I, I, what's the balance between mm, taking risks, which may lead to making mistakes uh, and, and just, and, and, and being righteous, if I can, I can even say it that way. Does that make sense at all? I think I know what you meant because it didn't make any sense, but I know you well enough, <laughs> which is, um, how do we know when we're being offensive for the right reason? Is that what you meant? Could be. I, I guess I just, I'm, you know, I, I came from a, a Southern Baptist background where it was like, you know, don't drink, don't dance, don't chew, don't hang out with those who do. It's like, hey, no sinners allowed here because it might make us look bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the sort of, hey, let's just stay, you know, literally the, the be like, hey, if the edge of the cliff is over here, are you going to drive over here? Or are you going to drive as far away as you can? And that leads to this, this, this lens of as long as I'm staying as far away as I can from sin, but, it, you know, things are going to be just just dandy, which means we, we're not able to be around sinners that need to hear the gospel the most. And it also means we get really good at hiding things. So while, yes. as you know, because I know you know, somebody may be saying, you know, hey, you're don't do this around that because they consider that a sin. Well, and it's mm-hmm. even debatable. At the same time, they've got a secret hidden sin that is clearly a sin. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and you're talking about a real situation I was just in that we were talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what that's what Jesus spent most of his time condemning, wasn't it? Was the people who cleaned up the outside but didn't clean up the inside. Right. And we need to be able to be vulnerable with each other. You know, Promise Keepers just did a thing on sexual integrity last May. We had two hundred thousand people watch that virtual event. Saw that. And we had five thousand men go through getting healed from pornography and it went phenomenally well. I learned something from that that I didn't know. And I don't know if you know this. I mean, to me, I figured same sex attraction means you're gay. Right. I mean, at, at our age, that's that's how it always was. <laughs> sure. Right. In fact, what we what we found, we having all these experts on, is that there have been a tremendous amount of men who have been sexually abused as boys, mm-hmm. and they grow up and they're not gay, but they have a, a same sex attraction that goes back to trauma from childhood. I'm not trying to excuse anything. I'm just saying that that this is a fact, and so there are a lot of guys who. Um, have this attraction, they've never acted on it, they would never want to act on it. It's a sinful um, impulse, like a lot of us have sinful impulses that we wouldn't act on. Mm -hmm. You might wanna steal the diamond in the jewelry store, run out the door with it, but you would never actually do it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of thing, these guys are married and everything, but they struggle with this. How comfortable would most Christian men be in sharing that with other Christian men? (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) Not at all would be the answer, yeah. But they should be. Yeah, they, sure. you should be able to say, "Man, I struggle with this," and um, but but we we tend to the sins that we ourselves don't tend to suffer from. We make those the worst sins. In <laughs> fact, sometimes we even make right. them up. Exactly. And the sins that we ourselves are are 
kind of go tempted to do, we minimize those sins, mm-hmm. right? Well, so we, we can see where, where the church has it been too harsh on homosexuals? Yes. Why? Well, in the history of the world, generally 2% of a population is homosexual. So if 98% of the people don't suffer from a certain sin, we'll make that 2%, that's the worst sin ever. Mm-hmm. But me over here, on that same list as homosexuality is being verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. Well, me who talks to my wife really bad or slanders people, eh, that's not so bad. Oh, yeah. They're all the same. But now what we've done is we've overcorrected as the church, and we've said, well, since we, since we were too far on that one, let's just kind of take our finger off of all of them. No, how about if we just treat them like Scripture says? Right. They're all the same. They will all keep you from inheriting the kingdom of heaven, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Let's love everybody. Let's rebuke everybody in love. And let's try to get as many of our brothers and sisters along. It says in James, correct your brother in his sin and save him from hell and a multitude of other sins. And that word for hell there does not mean the lake of fire. It means a, a hell, hell on earth, basically, is what that means. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's I, what we need to be about. I, I think that, yeah. You know, that's interesting because we talked about this again before, so I'll have to clue the audience in. But <laughs> we talk about the idea of the kingdom of heaven. These people right. won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Is that a future thing? Is that a now thing? And I, I've been I've been studying this quite a bit, and I think there's a, so much of it that is a now thing, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's like the hell that you just talked about, which is a now thing. And and uh, I think it was Mark Driscoll. I don't know how you feel about him, but he said wh- everything we do and say either brings heaven down or raises hell. You know, uh, and and I think there's a lot of truth in that and when we go confront someone about the hell in their lives with the spirit of redemption to mm-hmm. bring heaven into their lives that's the best thing we can do yes unfortunately a lot of times we go to point out the hell in their lives only to tell them that they're going to hell you know uh, and, and it's just, we gotta, we gotta get beyond this in order to be able to encourage each other as men, especially we have to get to the point of the honesty. Well, it's, it's right back to the grace and truth, fully grace, fully truth, the truth with the grace pointed towards redemption. Well, the, the, the question is, do I really love somebody? Do I really love them? Have I put myself in their shoes and walked around them it for a while? changes how you approach them. Yeah. Stay, stay on the alcohol thing because we've chosen that one. So if you know that I'm drinking too much, no, we flipped it to me. Okay. <laughs> if you know that I'm drinking too much alcohol and you love me, well, there may be a lot of reasons why I drink a lot of alcohol. I, I may have suffered great trauma. Maybe one of my kids is really sick. Maybe I have deep-rooted problems with my dad. Maybe lots of things that have driven me to that. Scripture says alcoholics will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So while you're completely empathetic with why I'm here, you're confronting me to help me get healing. Right. So it's not just stop drinking, you bonehead. It's we need to get you to stop drinking. And part of that is let's deal with what's making you drink so much. Exactly. There's two sides to this. Exactly. If I really love you, that's how I'm going to come to you as a brother or sister in Christ, not with my finger shaking. Because usually the finger shaking is a, is a volume of you're getting away with all the sin and I don't like it because I'm not getting to do it. <laughs> right? That's not love. No, but you know what that requires because I've been in that position where I've said to a friend, dude, you're, you're drinking way too much. And it was with 100% love and tell me what I can do to help walk 
take you into a healthier place because you're, you're, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting your family. Um, that requires a relationship, which I have with him, but we mm-hmm. often don't have, especially as strong, independent American men. How much of isolation plays into the inability, inability to be in a position to even confront on that kind of level with love? Mm-hmm. There is trust that has to be had and developed in order to be able to be at a certain place. And you need to know who you are and where you are with that person. Exactly. Now, giving the gospel is different. I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in when we share the gospel, we share the gospel. We don't need to share anything else. And people come at us with lots of questions about this or that. And, I, you know, I, I always say that one of the greatest phrases any Christian can know is, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've shared the gospel with people who want to take it off on all these side roads. And I just stick to the gospel. Yeah, but how could a God who loved that, you know, I, my nephew died and I, blah, blah, you know, well, all I know is we're all sinners. Jesus died for us and his grace covers our sin. And when we believe in him, we're born again. And then we get to start living for him in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff, I'm just not willing to engage. I don't have a relationship with you. I'm not trying to win an argument with you. I'm trying to give you the truth of God's grace in love. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, if I don't have a relationship with you, that's where we keep that thing. Yeah. If you and I are good friends, then we can have a deeper conversation. You and I, Randy, can, we've been skiing together. We've hung out all over the place. We can have a deeper conversation because there's trust built up. You value the wisdom of my opinion. I value the wisdom of your opinion. Mm-hmm. But lots of Christians sort of rush in without having built any trust and spew out. And really what that is, is foolishness. What they're really saying is you shouldn't trust me because I'm dumb enough to spout all these things off to you. And I, when I don't have enough judgment to know, I don't have any business saying these things to you. Who, who are you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. Uh, because <laughs> having grown up in Christian circles my whole life, I learned really quickly to become guarded. Uh, mm-hmm. And so to even have the conversations I've had with you off the air uh, has taken some time because I don't just, yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes time. So back to my point about isolation, if we isolate, we're not able to build a relationship that has trust that would enable a, someone to confront us on our sin or us to even confront others on their sin uh, in, in the right way, in a healthy way. Uh, and so I do think part of being godly men means getting out there. And I don't think it means just getting out there with those who look good uh, and say the right words. But it even means being strong enough to hang out with sinners and develop relationships that will enable the trust to lead them to Christ. But I don't I think know. our Lord did that, didn't he? That's exactly what he did. <laughs> and you know what? We don't do it I, we're I said afraid. that. I said that one time. Well, Jesus hung it, and they were like, "Well, he was perfect, and you're not perfect." <laughs> what do I do with that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, we're supposed to be like Christ, right? Yeah. And uh, clearly, at least I'll never be perfect. I don't know if there's anybody else out there that will be, but we're to strive to be like Him and to hang out with sinners. As long as that's our motivation, is to bring them to heaven, which is was His motivation, not so that we can get some of their sin. Right. I was going to say something earlier that you had said. Go ahead. I don't know. No, and I think there was a concern. was Because I think I really, that was, are you strong enough spiritually to influence them and not be influenced by them was really what was at the back of that one. But anyway, go well, ahead. And that's a reasonable question. It is. No, I was going to say, you know, talking about unity and whatnot, that um, John Wesley, who we both respect, uh, John, George Whitfield told a story about John Wesley, who said John Wesley had a dream. 
And John Wesley went down to hell in the dream and he yelled out, are there any Baptists in here? And the answer came, yes. Any Methodists, any Presbyterians? Uh, yes, yes. So then he went to heaven and he said, are there any Baptists in here? The answer came, no. Any Presbyterians, any Methodists? No. Well, then who's in there? Only people have given their life to Jesus Christ. And I think that is such a great example of, of what we can talk about as far as we can all have denominational differences and we do interpret scripture differently. Um, you know, one of my closest friends is Pastor Sam Rodriguez. You know, we hang <laughs> yeah. out all the time. We don't agree with, we don't agree on much I theologically. Bet. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he's born and raised Pentecostal. You know, I was born and raised Southern Baptist like you. Um, so, but we, we get together and we just love each other and we agree on just about everything idealistically. Yeah. We just don't agree on everything. Well, we, we, why? Well, because we, we were raised completely differently. So we have entrenched in our mentalities from the time we were five years old, a certain way of seeing things. I'm recovering from the way I see them and he's recovering from the way he sees them because we have to lay aside what we think we know every day and come to God's word and say, what do you have to teach me today, Lord? Forget everything I think I know. What is it you're saying? And I tell you, so often I come to scriptures and I'm like, oh, that really, that that's not really lining up with what I think I know and I need to deal with this. Lord, teach me. And it's hard to wrestle through those things. It's easier just to say, I believe the Baptist dogma mm -hmm. and that's it and everything's going to fit in there because then I don't have to work through stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I start working through stuff, I go, hmm, a lot of stuff I've read in scripture, a lot of the things I thought I knew I had to change right? because they didn't line up with what I'd always been taught. Yeah, well, well yeah, I, I hear you. And I appreciate in that joke, you mentioned basically all three of mine, Baptist the way I was raised, <laughs> Methodist the church I was married in, and I'm now in a Presbyterian church. So thanks for that. Are you a Presbyterian? I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Cumberland Presbyterian now. Uh, I don't even, the Presbyterians have all these different things. I don't know what one was. Some of them don't sing hymns. Some of them have gay flags. I don't know what any of them mean. And, and see, and that's because Presbyterian is the only denomination that speaks to structure, not theology. It's uh, how they go to right. the church. That's right. Uh, and so Cumberland would be the more conservative. You'd be fine there. You'd enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but. Here, here's what, um, what, a little bit of what you talk about with you and Sammy Rodriguez and really the way we should be with all the other Christians. I think we saw a little bit of a picture of that over the last week or so in the NFL of mm. all places, a place that we've all been yeah. cursing for years now for being too woke. And then I'm watching this week last weekend and they're, they're massive prayer outpourings and players kneeling and, and having verbal prayers and TV showing it. And I'm going, what is God? Are you doing something here? And it was all over Demar mm. Hamlin. Uh, who fortunately is out of the hospital, I believe, as of today. Well, this you know can change. Day well, he's by day. on his way from a Cincinnati hospital to a Buffalo hospital, but he's good enough to be able to be transported. Okay, so he's transported. All right, so yeah. but making improvement. And what's interesting is that you got Buffalo Bills players out there, obviously, but then you got Cincinnati Bengals out there that they were playing at the time, a team that wanted to do everything they could to beat Demar Hamlin at his game. Right. But then when it right, came right down to it, they're they're putting on his number. They're praying for him. They go, you know what? At, at the end of the day, what matters is bigger than our individual team logos. And even, you know, winning the game wasn't even important to him. Totally wrecked 
all the fantasy football that ended in week 17. I get that. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, as a commissioner of two leagues, I've had to deal with that. But they go, okay, these things are more important. And I, I thought, this is a little bit of a picture of, I think, the, how the church should be. Like, So you and Sammy can say, man, we don't agree on these things. We're on completely different teams when it comes to that. But yet there's something bigger going on right here. I don't know. What have you thought? Have you watched all that's going on in that in the last week? Randy, I have so many thoughts on this. I'm going to try to throw them out there really quickly. And the first one is my wife and I were watching the game um, when it happened. Yeah, and she was shocked by all the talks of prayer, prayer, prayer coming out. Um, the NFL came out with a statement an hour after it occurred, and it did not answer prayer. And it, it mentioned prayer. And it was really jarring to me. I, I was the only one that seemed to have noticed it. But everyone was saying prayer. And then the NFL came out and said, our thoughts are with Damar. And then the NFL Players Union came out and said, we're praying for DeMar. By the next day, everybody was talking prayer, prayer, prayer to the point where the NFL had every team in the NFL change their social media logo to say praying for DeMar. A couple of things about that. The NFL is a hollow, heartless, soulless organization that only <laughs> Blowing fought with me. the wind. <laughs> yeah, blowing with the wind. But... It looks like everything's against us. It was the people. It was the players that brought the woke NFL along. And suddenly the NFL is all about prayer because it became the popular thing. They don't care about any of that. Yeah. But a movement, a grassroots movement of the people did that. Goes to show you what we can do in the church. Yeah. If we stand strong, if we know God's word to make sure we're standing strong on the right things, mm -hmm. we can change society. Look how fast. And somebody, John Mulder, who works for me here at Waterstone, said something so great. He said, last night, you know, it was the, the day after, last night, DeMar Hamilton became America's son. Hmm. Yeah, he did. We unified so fast. What I want to say is nobody brought up race. Race never mattered. It's absurd to even think it would matter. It all became about that young man and about praying for him and look at how God answered prayer. There are so many forces trying to divide us for their own benefit. When it really push comes down to shove, man, we're still a Christian nation. We still believe in prayer and the grace of God. So I think we as Christians need to stop being quite so angry. Um, there's a lot to be angry about, but to start looking at the solutions. If we stay together, if we're unified around scripture, around Christ, it's amazing what we can accomplish. Because I think last week could have been the start of something amazing if we take this moment and run with it and don't just get comfortable again. I, you, you look at that and wonder why, why did this happen? Uh, DeMar Hamlin, uh, is a Christian. Uh, he went to a Catholic high school. So if, if you're really old school Baptist, then you would say he's probably not a Christian. Uh, that's a mean joke towards Baptist, but he's a Christian. He, you've seen it, and we saw it when he was uh, posting, thanking everybody for the prayers. You, I, I can't help but go, God, are you doing something really big here in a segment of the population in that generation? And it goes back to what you said earlier, which is the pain sometimes required to get us beyond a lot of the silliness or the temporalness or the... Uh, materialism and get us looking to something bigger. because it's really bizarre to see the as you know as much as i may have been down on the nfl for things in the last few years it's amazing to see 
what's going on with the players and what I'm hearing. I mean, one I, I don't remember if it was ESPN or NBC, but one they let one get one guy pray, one of the sports commentators yeah. pray on the air. I just go, God, you can flip things around so quick. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes we wonder why would you let this happen? Well, maybe he's doing something really big. I don't know. I'm hoping so. I'm praying so. Maybe we can see America is not as far lost as we think it is. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not minimizing the the insanity of the transgender movement and the evil that we see right. and the greed that we see. That, that to me, I was asked on, a, on a, a radio interview one time, what's the biggest problem facing America? And I said greed, and they were shocked. It's not pornography. It's not violence. I'm like, those things are all coming from greed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, greed is the foundational problem. The COVID vaccine nonsense, all the stuff that we're seeing come out of that. Greed, 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 money, money, money. But um, America still is 80% of the giving permissions worldwide. So 4% of the population gives 80% of global missions giving. Which tells you America. What what does that tell you? It tells me, number one, people ask, why hasn't God judged America yet? And I said, you know, we're still a very generous nation. And I still think Americans in general are still Judeo-Christian in their worldview. Mm. And when, when the push comes to the shove, um, people people rush back to the things of God. I mean, you look at 9-11, how that happened, and then this DeMar thing was like a, a small version of that. It doesn't take because it's not being run by the Holy Spirit. It's people and their fear of their flesh, and so it's not going to be permanent. But it goes to show you that when, when the moment of trauma comes, people rush back to Christianity. We as Christians need to realize that people are... that naturally disposed in the United States to believe the things of God if we would just go out and give them to them without our nonsense, our prejudices, just give God's word. And when someone says, well, what about this? What about that? Remember the great phrase, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why God let your brother die of asthma when he was five. Right. I don't know why, right. but I know this because here's what the Bible says. And if we stick to that, we can be remarkably powerful. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been great. Talking to Ken Harrison of Promise Keepers, uh, and Waterstone, um, what what's what do you got rolling out this year in the way of Promise Keepers? Or because I know it, <laughs> you took it over, and then COVID hit, and it kind of just threw everything <laughs> into a loop. And I got to just wonder what you know, what are you, where's it even going to go? What's it going to do? Well, we had a great event down in Dallas at AT and T Stadium, yeah. Dallas Cowboy Stadium, for yeah. those not in Dallas, um, and we had thirty thousand guys in the middle of COVID show up. Uh, and since then, and that was a year and a half ago, uh, it was a phenomenal event. We've had a bunch of virtual events. We've had around 200, 250,000 people across the world watch those virtual events. And wow. you can go to the app, promisekeepers.org uh, website, or just download the app and you can get all that content. It's amazing content. Um, we're going to do a couple more virtual events and we're going to look at doing some in you know, some live events again. It's been a while to recover from that. It was... Um, when you put all your eggs in the basket of 2020 coming back <laughs> in July, uh, the amount of uh, money it costs us time, it, it sent us reeling. Uh, it's been a recovery coming back from that, but we have had some great stuff. And I would say, you know, last year we had three things that we put virtually on that you can go get. We had the sexual integrity event I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. We had one on mental health, which is going to be very helpful for a lot yes. of people because we don't talk about that in the church, struggle with depression, bipolar, suicide, guilt. Um, And then we had one that was a 25-year anniversary of Stand in the Gap. All of those are an hour long. I think um, the stream 
showed all those live. Yeah, probably. CBN showed them all. And so we had, and that 250,000 viewers, I said, did not include any of those. That was just for social media. Mm. So we've had a pretty good following. And we have a lot of guys on the app using the app, getting, you can get on conversation strings and get real advice in real time mm. and get really good godly content. Um, so we've done a lot of stuff. We put a lot of stuff together. People are pushing, well, when are you going to get back into the football stadiums and arenas? We've really been on our knees praying about that, and we'll see. God has not given us a direction, though we we are in conversation right now with one major leader um, that we think we, we've got a city that we may be going to this coming year. But there's a lot more that goes into that people realize. Then I, when I took over promises, I had no idea. When you take down a stadium and you put on an event, oh, man, it is. The amount of people needed and the stuff that goes on and the stage and the lighting and the musicians and yeah, geez, it's a lot of stuff. Well, okay, so I'll end it w with this if I can. <laughs> I think I can. Uh, what is what has God done with Ken Harrison through all this? You know, I find um, again we talked about dying to self daily. We all have prejudices and whatnot. Um, and we all have, I think, things that God needs to hone to be able to use us maximally. And he will never stop honing those things. And for me, as a very type A guy who's had a lot of success, the things that God has had to really hone in me over and over and over are teaching me patience and breaking pride. Mm. And in pride with me, he has smacked me upside the head really hard a few times to really get me down to the humility that I'm at now. And he will continue doing that to the day I die. Uh, making me more, more humble. But patience is something that, that the Lord has had to really continue to work in me because as a driver, as a type A guy, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I, I tell people a lot of times, sometimes God's favorite word is wait. Yeah. And um, so I think he has promise keepers in a good place right now, but I think he has uh, me needing to seek him more. Um, and I say me rather than us, because I, I do mean me. You asked me about that. Mm -hmm patience and waiting on him saying, and I'm saying, Lord, there's a lot of stuff that needs to go. Let's go fill some football scene. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And God's going, son, you, 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 you just, your, your whole life's like a little tiny vapor. So you just chill out and wait on me. And so that's where we're at. I think, and I, I would invite everybody to be in prayer with us to say, where should we be next? We're going to do the virtual events, but where should, what city should we be in? Where should we go? Um, there's a whole army of people ready to criticize, and they do all the time. Some people have the spiritual gift of criticism. That's not um, like, that's not from heaven. That's not a heavenly spiritual gift, I think, you know. <laughs> but we could use people praying for us and just saying, hey, where should we be? Yeah. We don't need anybody condemning us. We need people um, on our team. That's uh, That's not an easy place to be. But no. in the scope of things... When God's more interested in what he does in Ken Harrison than what yeah. Ken Harrison does in a football stadium, that's right. that'll shift your perspective a little bit. Uh, that's right. <laughs> and he can turn things. Things can change on a dime. You mean like COVID? I mean like COVID. Uh, I mean like DeMar Personal Hamlet. tragedy? Personal tragedy. I mean, uh, it, it's, it, it can, things can fall apart real quick. And God can spark uh, fire across the nation real quick too. So, you know, yeah. Randy, what I think you're saying is is uh, to, in in Ken Harrison language, God doesn't need any one of us. Yeah, He does. But we we get to be a part of His plan. That's right. 
if we submit to him. And I think that um, right there is a reminder that a lot of us can use all the time is that he will do his will. Who he does it through um, can be up to us. Are we going to submit? Are we going to be patient? Are we going to go through the pain of growing or are we not? Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, that's exactly it. And I, I've, I have failed on the God, here's what I want to do. Now, will you bless it prayer? And the shift mm. for me came when I went, wait, God's going to do what he's going to do. And he invites me to be a part of it. Oh, God, how do I get there? And sometimes it may be like you say, wait, because I got to do some work on you first. You know, the, the, James says the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And then it goes, points back to um, Ezekiel, no, Elijah. Um, I think but sometimes we forget about the part about of a righteous man. <laughs> right. You know, we, we quote prayer avails much. Yeah, prayer of a righteous man. Yeah. And I would say um, we, we can move mountains if we're really walking with him. And so I think, you know, for all of us, men and women, um, seeking him and saying, how much can my prayers really, it, it's amazing to think about God, the God, the creator of the universe is saying, I, I can, you can alter the history of the world. If you're a righteous person on your knees, mm-hmm. you, you, you're going to, you're going to take that or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it's so hard for us to see at times, but you're right. Uh, great conversation, man. Uh, as always, always is. I, yeah. I'll, I'll cut it off for now for the audience anyway. Um, but a lot of good things to think about. And, uh, and, and anybody watching that, especially if they thought, oh, Promise Keepers, want to hear from this guy, a, a call to prayer. Say, Lord, what, what would you have Ken do? What would you have me do? Uh, how, how can we all be more men of God and women of God? Mm-hmm. So good time to reflect. Thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Uh, like, subscribe, share, follow, all those good things. And come back more. Uh, check out promisekeepers.org. And uh, we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Bye-bye, Vince,